And we're back with another episode of Food in the Hood. Ding ding! That's my sound effect.、Um, I was gonna make a backing track,、nice. like I have mentioned in the past five episodes, and still haven't gotten around to、All、it. Right. <laughs> okay, we're we're back. Another episode.、Mm-hmm. Um, so, do I have any follow up? I think we're、um, life is pretty normal. I, yeah, life has been pretty, you know. Routine,、uh, being at home, working from home, so not not much updates from my end. What about you, Ben? Um, me either. Still just going, staying at home. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So let's dive right into it then. Sure. Yeah. I think today we have a pretty interesting episode、um, talking about you know some of the food startups and food tech companies that we find particularly interesting. You know, we actually pull.、Um, there, there's this article that is on the Spoon. So the Spoon is a website that does daily reporting and insight into the food tech revolution, and they have a Food Tech 25 article, which essentially highlights about 25 companies、um, in the 2020 year,、mm-hmm. and you know, kind of goes over you know what these companies are about, etc. So Ben and I, we pick some of our favorites or the ones that look really interesting, and we're gonna kind of. Walk you through them today, and also inject our opinions、yeah. because we're very good at doing that. <laughs> <laughs> right. So even when it's not welcome, no, no. it's 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 welcome. <laughs> I think it's welcome. <laughs> so、um, this is the list for 2020, right? So they're doing、mm-hmm. it for each year. They pick 25 food tech companies,、um, and these are not necessarily just startups, right? Because in 2018, Amanda's favorite company. Beyond Meat <laughs> was on the list. People are really gonna think it's my favorite company.、Uh, I actually have only ate it once. Okay, I just mentioned it a ton. <laughs> yeah, so、um, it just a lot of very, let's say it's trendy or it's very、uh, relate to the year of development companies. Right, so of course、um, it's kind of an odd time, just the mid-year award. Right, because twenty twenty is only six months into the calendar,、um, but it has been a lot <laughs> for six months、yes. uh, for the world. It's been about one hundred and eighty days. So yeah. yeah, so pretty much what, what this list is、um, is really to、uh, talking about the disruptors, right? So this is a list. I think it's highlighting a bunch of disruptors in the uncertain time. Uh, which is even more making them more robust or more of a、uh, novel shows like a lot of more novelties of these companies. So it has a lot of things related to COVID, and they pick some companies across those lines about quarantine、right. and how tech and cooking has been transformed based upon these COVID new situation. Right. right. For instance, you know we're seeing、um, a huge rise in people getting groceries, right? So, what are some safe and effective ways for that to be delivered to people's houses? Maybe using robots.、Mm-hmm. Maybe using you know things that are not traditional. So, the, some of, some of the companies covered on this list、um, really exemplifies the sort of innovation that has come up, or or I guess not come up that has really proliferated and kind of expanded. Yeah. Especially with、um, you know COVID nineteen. And we have picked a few that we liked.、Um, ben, do you want to start us off with your pick? Well, first we basically just、um, shortlist their twenty-five candidates. 
so each of us picked uh, two companies. Uh, but before we start with our actual pick, we have one honorable mention. <laughs> <laughs> and um, as much as you think this Food Tech 25 list will be feature innovative, smart uh, devices and different type of like AI machine learning companies, uh, mm -hmm. one of the 25 is actually Chipotle. Chipotle represent. Yeah, Chipotle the company. <laughs> when I was reading this list first, I like literally checked the spelling of Chipotle uh, to make sure that this isn't just some you know uh, edgy type like of a company fake trying name to or yeah like a rip off or something. Yeah, trying to trying to like, get a little piece of Chipotle, but it's actually doing something else. Yeah. So uh, how how did Chipotle make the list? Uh, I think it's related to uh, COVID. So the big reason, according to Spoon, uh, this is a company that committed to a better restaurant experience, uh, both uh, you know in the restaurant and off-premise. Uh, so it has a robust delivery system, that new type of store formats. So the layout of the format, it's more towards a, a lockdown takeout style. So uh, it basically, turned the uh, mobile app into a virtual recreation of the in-house experience. So it definitely invested a lot in the tech side to keep up with consumers' experience while they're eating Chipotle. And of course, Chipotle is a right. huge chain and they are actually, well, they're definitely still falling because of uh, COVID's impact. But the changes I think is where, so the spoon wants to highlight on this list. And as a, as a national chain, right, it, it is one of the few that still uh, highlights at this level. Right, right. I think, you know, what we're seeing with some restaurants is their agility to bounce back and to adapt their ways of working in order to, you know, recapture some of the consumers they might have lost. I think that's really important for COVID-19 and Chipotle seems to have done a pretty good job at that. Mm -hmm. um, hey, and, uh, can, yeah. I, can I move? Because the bus can, noise can, can is really move? high. Oh, lol. Okay. I shouldn't pause. Okay, I'll just let no, you... No, 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 no. Let's keep going. Okay, okay. And, you know, it's funny we mentioned Chipotle because Chipotle in the past have had some um, food safety issues with, you know, E. coli, salmonella, and recently this year with uh, norovirus. I think that's just the nature also of the type of food that they sell. Think about like it's kind of salad bar style with employees behind the bar. Was there a, you know, another outbreak? Items for you. There's one with well, I know that in 2020 April, Chipotle got hit with a 25 million dollar food safety fine for noro uh, norovirus and oh boy. Clostridium okay. perfringens. <laughs> but the the reason I mentioned this is because I have a memory from undergrad. I think you <laughs> already I, told I, this I story on air. I, did I tell this? I'll tell it again. I forgot <laughs> who told me this story, but so we uh, there there was a Chipotle on campus uh, at U of M, and I think Ben went in one time and he saw that this this cashier who also prepared the food was using the same pair of gloves to touch the food and also to touch cash and card that people were handing over to that person, and uh, so he he Ben asked for the manager. <laughs> I, I don't think <laughs> Which I, I think asked for the manager. I just like pointed that's, out that's the story that circulated in, okay. in our friend circle. So sure. I was like, well, this sounds like Ben. Okay, <laughs> but it's 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 a good thing to do though, right? Yeah. To to make sure that 
food safety um, precautions are being followed. Wearing a glove doesn't make everything you touch safe, right? It doesn't mean you can touch like chicken and then touch cash and then touch chicken again. Yeah. Um, So. Right. So I'm glad that I contribute to the public health of the University of Minnesota student community. Yeah, 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 you really help campus health. Okay. (laughs) So why don't don't you start us off with, with your pick? Okay, so my first pick is a company called InFarm. So mm-hmm. InFarm as one word. It's a Berlin-based company that focuses on vertical farming. And um, so vertical farming is a, um, it's not quite of a novel concept anymore. So it's essentially to have uh, portable or small-scale incubators that can produce the uh, most optimal growing environment for uh, mostly leafy greens and herbs and other berries plants so that you can have essentially a uh, a, a box with different shelves right so uh, Mm -hmm. that to grow different uh, vegetables and um, that's supposedly to be a sustainable and urban farming technique that has been actually quite widely used in different um, sectors and uh, a lot of them were used also in horticulture to uh, have different uh, flowers, for example, to grow fr- flowers in a vertical farming fashion. Uh, so the catch or the novelty of InFarm is that it focuses not only just on the vertical farming aspect. So vertical farm, you can have a vert- vertical farm in the city, maybe say you can rent out the rooftop of uh, say 20 blocks in my hand, right? You can put your facilities up there and you can start to grow and harvest and then distribute through retail chains, right? Locally. But, um, in farms idea or their practice is that more their, um, incubators or their hardware are physically in grocery stores, meaning that they don't have to move and these uh, produced products are just consumed by the well just picked up by the uh, shoppers and those people right. will just take them home and make fresh food so the growing basically occurs in these incubators which are permanently situated at grocery chains exactly yes so it kind of decentralizes the mm-hmm. leafy green supply chain Right. I guess my question is, how would they replenish um, the growth of these vegetables and herbs and salad greens and whatnot? I think it's the same as um, like restock the shelf. Right. So they just Mm -hmm. replant. And I think they they would have some type of like germinate seeds so they don't starve Mm -hmm. from like scratch scratch to grow the vegetable. They will right. still have a, uh, a germinated seed that will just be replaced into the incubator and probably overnight or a few days, it will be ready and it can be rotated to the front of the shelf and people can pick it up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So has this been sort of picked up by um, a lot of grocery chains already and how how, how, how is it working? Yeah, actually, I'm quite surprised when I was doing the research. Um, I just click around in, in their website. Apparently, they have physical incubators in Kroger's and Aldi's in mm-hmm. Europe. So they're in major, okay. major grocery chains. Right. 
and then uh, pretty good coverage in Europe, uh, mostly for herbs. Actually, uh, say things like basil or thyme. These type of herbs are、mm-hmm. more common than you know salad leafy greens. Right, and I guess there's also a freshness factor because you're not. You know, harvesting elsewhere and then shipping and distributing to all these grocery stores. Since the harvesting will probably happen in store,、mm-hmm. so from the consumer standpoint, they get an herb that is literally quite freshly picked.、Uh, might have longer shelf longer shelf life as well. Totally,、um, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a strong appeal. Like, I guess my question, or maybe. My 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 concern is what does that look like cost wise? Because you know when you do farming in a very centralized system, typically the cost goes down because of、um, you know the scale. And whereas with these incubators, there probably has to be individual grocery store employees who would have to you know like you said put germinated seeds or seedlings and whatnot into back into the incubator、mm-hmm. um, after you know people purchase and harvest stuff from it. Yeah, there's definitely、uh, gonna be a maintenance cost, and、mm-hmm. I mean from you know their market sites, I don't see much of those type of、uh, disclaimers or studies. But that's definitely one of the aspects that we should take into into account. And actually, a fun、mm-hmm. fact: I looked up on the map. There were a few shops in Paris that has okay、uh, the in farm incubators. And、yeah. I messaged two locations to my sister.、Uh, she、uh-huh. lives in Paris. I picked two that I think are closer to her home, and I、mm-hmm. asked her about it.、Uh, she never have been to those two grocery stores, but I I was just doing that before our recording. So I asked her、okay. about it, and she said one is just a- about fifteen mile. Oh,、uh, sorry, fifteen minute of a walk from her home.、Mm-hmm. So she might go check it out. Yeah, it'll be interesting to hear what she thinks of it. Maybe we can update our listeners、yeah. in the next episode. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll send my special agent、yeah. to check it out. <laughs> <laughs> right, and、um, and and one more point on、um, infarm is just like I I think even we can go a f- step further about decentralizing leafy green supply chain, which would be that to have a version of infarm incubator at home. Mm-hmm. Right, so right. I've um I've been thinking and really、uh, dreaming a lot about different type of kitchen appliances for the future. Right, we、mm-hmm. like when we go rent a place or you buy a new house, the de facto appliances are you know a stove, an oven, a、uh, microwave, and a fridge. That's basically、mm-hmm. it for the large、uh, installations. As、sure. the four things, right? Well, dishwasher is is typically in the、uh, kitchen, but is that's not quite related to cooking directly. So I've been thinking, you know, an incubator could be the fifth appliance if it's efficient enough or it, the maintenance、mm-hmm. cost is low enough. It could possibly、right. be a fridge type of appliance, right? It keeps foods in there. And it also grows food,、mm-hmm. so that you、right. can got to pick maximum flexibility on whatever you want to do with your own vertical farm.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess it's very similar to you know people who might have like a back 
backyard garden in their place, right? Where you're like, oh, I feel like having some bell peppers for a salad this afternoon. I'm just going to go to the back and harvest it and then chop it up and throw it into a salad. But I think, you know, when we think about farming and all of the, or, or, or typical home gardens, those are taking up horizontal space. Mm-hmm. And I guess this would be more of a vertical space. And, you know, in the U.S., a lot of people live in houses or townhomes or places where there's an abundance of space. Whereas, you know, in many parts of the world, we might not have that luxury, right? Like, like you mentioned in Paris um, or in some cities that have higher population density. So having an incubator that you can have, I'm just trying to imagine it as like a really tall vertical, um, you know, kind of like a cupboard mm-hmm. size appliance that you can have next to your fridge where you know there are clear windows that yeah. you can see what's inside and then when and, and, and you know it won't go bad because well it won't go yeah it won't go bad because you're not harvesting it until you want to eat it exactly right? or i mean you would control the rate of growth so that you would have enough just for you to eat right right, right. so there's very little food waste mm-hmm. and oh my god it's so futuristic i love it i want elon musk to get on this <laughs> <laughs> and like use his solar energy cells or whatever yeah. to power the incubator yeah just be like <laughs> dm elon like, yeah. please make this happen <laughs> yeah uh, i'm so curious what it looks like i'm gonna go check out a photo later yeah um, it's bigger in the in the store there are some pictures on there um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but you could totally have like the mini home use version, and I think you know it, it might be like a high cost investment, but if we can get it to scale, mm-hmm. it might be something that's pretty feasible. Yeah. Voila. So Amanda, do you want to start with your first pick? Yeah. So my first one is um, something called Appeal. So that's spelled A P E E L. So literally, like you know, A and then peel, as in the peel of a fruit or vegetable. So this is a product that you know, essentially, it's a coating that you can spray onto your fruits and vegetable to double their ripeness window to make them last longer. So, for instance, um, you know, the company likes to claim that um, coating avocados with a peel will make it last twice as long as regular avocados Mm. so i found this very interesting because you know it's it's not a new thing where fruits and vegetables are covered by waxes wait so like apples sorry um i just want to make a little bit clear to the audience Mm -hmm. this is when you say coating it's like a Mm -hmm. spray coating correct So you would take your vegetable, you would dip it in the liquid and then let it dry. Or you would spray the liquid directly onto your fruit or vegetable and then let it dry. Got you. Okay. So this, it, it's a sort of amphiphilic spray that you would spray onto the fruit and let it dry. And what it does is it really mimics the natural coating that is present on fruits and vegetables, right? Hmm. So if you look at something like a lemon or a lime... Let's say you buy some lemon because you want to use it in your salsa recipe, but then you forget about your salsa recipe and it sits in your fridge for like two or three weeks. Yeah. Right. The lemon is still fine. Like you can still use it most Mm -hmm. of the time. But if you take something like a raspberry or a blackberry, it gets moldy pretty fast. Right. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is, you know, a citrus fruit like a lemon and a raspberry, for instance, the thickness of... um, the, the cutin, which is a protective layer that fruits and vegetables naturally have, that's different, right? Because of that different thickness, it affects how fast they spoil. Right, right, right. So so it relates to how fast oxygen goes in and out. 
Correct. So the whole idea of the peel is it would keep um, oxygen out, which reduces oxidation rates within the fruit, and then it will keep the moisture within the fruit, so it prevents dehydration. Because oxidation and dehydration are the two stressors that can make you know fruits and vegetables go bad really fast. Um, so I think that you know there are waxes on the market that does similar things, right? Uh-huh. Ben, you worked at an apple farm, so you can probably speak to apple waxes. Yeah. So it's. Uh, I mean, it's. It's quite of a similar principle. Yeah, I just don't know why apple wax didn't. I get think the used. reason appeal got popular is because it is plant based. Well, but like apple wax is insect based. It's nothing chemical. It's based on in- it's insect based. Yeah, it's insect. So it's made based. from insects. Yeah. Oh really? I think um, when you say plant based something like a plant based multi surface cleaner, people are more trusting of it as well mm-hmm. um, just because of the nature of the product but I don't know how Apple waxes how much it extends Apple shop lives but um, I think for appeal if you go to their website it's it's very interesting to see the videos comparing fruits and vegetables that have appeal applied versus that those that don't um, you know you can see blueberries will shrivel a lot faster asparagus loses their moisture and get thinner faster um, so interesting food for thought um, yeah yeah but what i really found you know interesting about this is when we think about why fruits and vegetables spoils it's because of spoilage organisms right so microbes that are um, not pathogenic but uh, spoilage organisms so the whole idea of you know how does putting a protective layer help because does it keep them keep the microbes out so i was reading up on this and apparently you know fruits naturally have their own immune system so when they recognize pathogens or even spoilage organisms they produce antimicrobials but their ability to do this Mm -hmm. is actually decreased if they don't have enough moisture or if there's too much oxidation Uh. so essentially by putting the peel i mean putting a peel on your product it allows them to have less stress so that they can spend more resources actually fighting um, spoilage organisms. That's very interesting. I think there must be a lot of studies have been done to map out the entire mechanism. The appealing thing for me, the appealing thing for me, right? (laughs) (laughs) Is that this is something it's consumer ready, right? Because aren't they just, I think they're using it in Kroger stores and stuff. But technically, Probably, yeah. you can do it also for, you can just buy a bunch and keep them at your home. So you can mm-hmm. use it on your own uh, vegetables too. I like, like, let's say <laughs> you get some harvest from the uh-huh. uh, in farm incubator and yeah, you yeah. can spray it a little bit <laughs> and to keep it to last longer. Yeah, you're like, oh, okay, I just harvested my avocado. I'm going to like, or harvest it first so I can grow more but then let me keep this for longer and spray some appeal yeah. but yeah like I think I think the thing about apple waxes and some of the other waxes is people think that they're not natural so they spend a lot of time you know washing their apples after they buy it and whatnot not realizing that it keeps the shop life for longer so I think there's a definitely a consumer play here by saying it is plant-based um, and I also don't know how long the shelf life extension compares with appeal versus some other, you know, waxes or more traditional coatings. Um, but it would be interesting 
to, to look into that. Yeah, this is interesting. And apparently they're getting a lot of investment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 250 million raised. Yeah, it's wow. a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Think about uh, from a food waste standpoint, I think there's potential for huge cost savings. And, you know, there's a sustainability play here as well. I think that's why they got a grant. They got, they got a grant in 2012 from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation because I think it really, mm -hmm. this is something that can, you know, there's a sustainability component. Yeah. Okay, that's pretty cool. So my next one, um, I think this is kind of funny. Uh, <laughs> I'll just introduce it to you. I don't think, did you read about this one? It's called... No, Tovala, so Tovala, T-O-V-A-L-A. It's a mm -hmm. self-cooking oven. Um, and so, so Tovala consists two parts. Well, technically three parts. Uh, so it has a self-cooking oven, which is their hardware. They have meal kits for Talava, mm -hmm. and it also okay. has a smart control system for the oven. So basically, you're buying a whole package. You're buying the oven, the meal kit, and the control system. You can't just buy one. No, the control system like... comes with the oven, I think. Okay, but there's a okay. data so, there's a database of recipe that's living and breathing. What does it mean though when you say it's a self cooking oven? <laughs> so it's like meal kits. Aren't all ovens self cooking <laughs> to some extent? Like you stick it in and you let it do its job. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, you're so right. Uh, <laughs> even makes this thing funnier because um, it's um, it's basically meal kits married to a smart oven. Okay, mm -hmm. so the steps would be I just I read their website, but I in layman's term, this is how it works. So first, okay. you gotta buy a Talava oven. So it said it's probably your, pretty expensive. It's not that expensive. It's like one ninety nine or something. Oh, $199. Yeah, $199. Dollars yeah, oven? it's not, yeah, with a discount or oh, something. Oh, Lord. Okay. okay, so. Cheaper than an iPad. Because, yes. because um, I'll get into this later, but selling hardware isn't their goal. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, so I'll start from the beginning. You buy this oven and you order their meal kits online. And that normally comes in like a subscription type of service, right? You just right. sign up for meals. Like HelloFresh or Blue Apron. Yes, yes, but you don't have to cook it. Uh, and then right. when those meals come in, let's say you got chicken parmesan, uh, it might come into uh, say two different containers and it's all ready. So all you do is to open up the package and uh, put the containers. So so they, they come within the containers, right? So you, you put the containers into the oven, you scan a QR code on top of that mm. package so that it basically sends instructions to the oven and the oven right. cooks or adjust the parameters. <laughs> like all oven cooks automatically, <laughs> but yeah, you can adjust yeah. the parameters. Uh, the oven will adjust it by itself. And then ding, your meal is done and you take it out and it's ready. So basically it's like a frozen meal or something like a frozen pizza that you throw in the oven, but you don't need to configure anything. You just scan the code and you forget about it. Yeah, and apparently it says it tastes better. Or the oven, hmm. I looked up the oven a little bit. So it's it's in the format of an oven, but it can do steaming, it can do baking, okay. and it can also broil. That's really multifunctional for a $200 oven. <laughs> 
I also feel Amanda's like this is one impressed. of those things. <laughs> no, I feel like, I, I mean, this thing could work really well. But, you know, when you told me that what they're trying to sell is not the hardware. They're trying to sell you a subscription, right? Yeah, the, exactly. The oven and the mucus. It feels like when you buy those cheap printers that are really cheap, but the ink cartridge is like freaking expensive. <laughs> it's kind of the same logic, right? And their, uh, and their slogan is yeah. meet the ultimate time-saving machine. <laughs> oh my lord. <laughs> the Talava smart oven transforms your cooking with a little steam, a little magic, and a scan-to-cook mm-hmm. technology. <laughs> wow. I wonder, okay, but you don't have to use the meal kit. You can put, you can like make your own chicken parmesan and throw it I don't know. Oven, right? I don't know. I, I, I haven't read too much into it, but apparently... I everything... feel like if they lock... If they lock users into only using the mute kit, I don't think people are going to be very happy. So I feel like it's probably like not open source, but you know, you, you I can hope at it least is open mess source. With the parameters. Yeah, I guess. Hey, so. there's a sorry, there's a Fourth of July sale. It's fifty percent off. So instead of being three hundred dollars, it's only a hundred and fifty. Okay. <laughs> are you considering? So, uh, maybe, maybe no. <laughs> It's very intriguing. Yeah, so their value proposition is like it saves time. You don't have to mess with anything. So unlike a like HelloFresh type of meal kits that we discussed in the past, this Mm -hmm. is you might have to like chop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is like everything is ready to go, Mm -hmm. and um, you don't have to mess with any spices or anything, right? And then um, it's quote unquote competitive price compared to eating out, but like. All mm-hmm. meal kits are competitive price compared to eating out, right? Um, yeah. And apparently there are a lot of good reviews about the delicious taste and the good recipes. Ooh, I'm, I'm super intrigued. <laughs> I like the part where you literally don't even have to think. You know, you just scan the coat and you let it do its thing. Yeah, and it's done within how long? Right, yeah. and it probably turns off after it's done, so you don't end up like accidentally burning your chicken breast or something in the oven, which has happened to me before. Ah. So I think this thing is made for people who are absent-minded and people who are busy. And yeah, I mean, it's pretty. Imagine if you have concept. one of these, you can pretty much self-quarantine forever. <laughs> <laughs> you can eat, you know, food from all over the world, yeah. but stay in your apartment. Uh-huh. And I feel like this will be kind of interesting if, I mean, not just for Talava, uh, T- Tavala, but for other meal kids companies would be that mm. they would just collaborate with local restaurants or w- with some um, famous chefs to come up with interesting packages, like yeah. some crossover, uh, G- Gordon Ramsay's, I don't know, mm-hmm. breakfast, uh, right. you know, kits. Because it seems like, yeah, go on. No, that, that's my point. Just you can do a lot of things like these as a you, this little machine is just a tool, right? You can put whatever yeah. kind of spin onto it. Yeah. Uh-huh. You can definitely do like local, you know, local limited time offerings and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. I think especially if you think about it. So I think with this subscription, an average meal is like 11 or $12. If you're thinking about eating out like an average meal including tax and tips sometimes in expensive cities it can be like close to twenty dollars oh yeah and then a, lot you have to than, go out. a lot of more than that if you just like 
have right you have to go out you have to take the subway you have um, to be exposed to covid yeah right <laughs> so like with, with, with tobala you can really stay at home and have it all i think it'll be really cool to you know be able to like oh there's this korean um food place that i love and they have like a tobala kit that i can use at home so yeah. i can just get it and but it kind it of defeats the purpose of restaurants but i think you know with restaurants being at limited capacity Right uh-huh. and uh, restaurants offering takeout and whatnot. Well, I guess they can sell their takeout for more money than you know just selling a meal kit. But mm-hmm. definitely interesting proposition. Yeah. Yep. Okay. What do you so, got? The last one that I have is called Perfect Day, uh, which is a very a name that's not very descriptive of what it actually does. Um, so this is a company that actually makes animal-free dairy protein. And best part, it is FDA gross. Um, so they actually don't sell directly to consumers. Right now, they're selling more to companies and entrepreneurs. But the concept is, you know, if you think about dairy protein um, or, you know, milk, ice cream, cheese, right? Mm-hmm. We love dairy um, but one of the drawbacks is, and, and some issues that people have with consuming dairy is number one, factory farm and animal living conditions, right? And then number two are dietary restrictions related to consuming dairy. So, you know, people who are eating vegan might not be able to consume dairy. People who want to eat lactose free, right, might have a hard time consuming dairy. So the co founders of Perfect Day actually, they themselves are vegetarians who went vegan. For a while, but then hated it because they couldn't eat any dairy at all. Oh no! Right? And sometimes, <laughs> sometimes funny. you just want some ice cream, or you just want some cream cheese on your bagel, and like a fake soy cream cheese just isn't going to cut it. So, <laughs> uh, the whole concept of this company is how can we convert plants to milk? So think about cows; they eat plants, and then they produce. Uh, milk, which contains, you know, whey and casein and milk, which are the main uh, milk proteins in milk. So the company is using a similar concept. They're using uh, microbes, which they call flora. Um, They've used the flora consistently, the the, the word flora consistently through their website. I think that sounds maybe nicer than microbes. I don't know. Oh, Um, okay. I was wondering (laughs) in your notes, you said flora. I was like, is that just... Yeah, I think that I was using the microorganisms, like bacteria. They use, yep, uh-huh. yep. They just sound really fancy when you say flora, yeah. but they use flora or microbes to convert, you know, carbohydrates into high quality um, dairy protein. So this company only sells that protein, but if you combine this dairy protein that is produced ethically and you combine uh-huh. it with water, um, fats, vitamin, minerals, you can kind of get something that really mimics cow's milk very closely. And I think for dairy products, this is pretty important because, you know, when you think about non-dairy alternatives like, oh, you know, oat yogurt or oat milk, you can't get the same functionality as uh, a dairy version because of that protein, right? That protein functionality. So essentially, this is a good way for you to get the same functionality you would get from casein proteins Mm. or whey protein, but, you know, without using any cows, uh, using less water less energy, less greenhouse gases, and also less land. Yeah. I mean, this is essentially um, similar concept to cultured meat, right? So yep. you got the Beyond Impossible uh, teams, which are doing converting or making plant protein taste like meat. 
but you also get the other camp where people are using flora or microbes、mm-hmm. to、um, or or use actually cell cultures.、Um, sorry for、yeah. for 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 meat, it's mostly cell cultures uh, to grow、mm-hmm. uh, tissue and to grow muscle muscle meat. Right. right. Okay. This is essentially to use microbes to convert some type of sugar into correct dairy protein proteins.、Mm-hmm. And they sell this protein, so they're like an ingredient supplier, right? They're like an ingredient supplier. So they sell. They don't sell directly to consumer, from what I know. They have sold、um, this product to Smitten Ice Cream, which is a San Francisco-based ice cream company, and that company actually uses this protein to make their own ice cream.、Mm-hmm. And it's not cheap. No,、oh, yeah. <laughs> it's it's almost sixty dollars for four pints. So fifteen. But it's supposed to taste、pint? really good. Yeah. Well, you can't buy a one pint by itself on the website. You have to like、oh. go big or go home. Okay. You have to be prepared to eat ice cream、uh, for the whole month, yeah, or have a big family. No, like you know? four pints isn't that much, but sixty bucks is kind of a lot for ice cream investment. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I, but I think for someone who's vegan and who really misses ice cream, you know,、uh-huh. it might be easy for them to shell out that money. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, that's pretty cool. I um, I might have known someone who works there.、Oh, really. I need a perfect day. Rings a bell to me. Okay, I need to, well, I need look to into dig your into my memory bucket. Yeah, yeah, but it's pretty promising.、Um, last year, they just got Series C funding for 140 million dollars.、Mm-hmm. Um, I have no no idea what Series A, B, C, D, E, F means. Um, ben is working at a startup, so he can probably speak more to what all these series funding means. I actually don't have a very clear idea, but 140 million dollars sounds a lot. So they're、yeah. probably doing fine. Yeah,、uh-huh. I think they're doing well. Yeah. So, is there anything else about Perfect Day? Um, no. I just think it's a super cool concept, and I like the idea of you know not 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 necessarily having like a plant based version where you're taking plants to try to mimic animal products, but actually creating animal products without using animals.、Mm-hmm. So, like you said, with the cell culture, but this is with dairy protein. I think this is a really interesting space.、Um, so, I'll, I'll be on the lookout. I think this is something I'm gonna follow closely because I, I find it pretty interesting. So yeah, I think that that's、um, the four food tech companies that we covered today.、Um, if you want to read about them more in depth, they I think all of them have their own website, and you can also check out the original article where we found、um, you know these companies, which is Food Tech Twenty Five. That's the article title, and it's hosted on the Spoon, which is the website that we talked about earlier on. Yep. So,、um, hey, are we doing the food thing anymore? I do. You have one. I I have one. You just have. You can talk about、time. White Claw. You love White Claw. Why don't you talk about White Claw? I don't. I don't necessarily <laughs> like White Claw that much. What、uh, I find interesting about White Claw is like you know, whenever I'm outside these days, people are like buying beer and whatnot to their gatherings and whatnot.、Uh-huh. I always see people, young people, carrying around White Claw. Yeah, White Claw is like, it's it's. it's Pretty trendy.、Um, It's super trendy right now. Yeah, but、um, I don't know. I don't drink it that much. It's it's basically a、uh, flavored cocktail.、Uh, right. So, so it's you're more hard... of a beer lager guy than a yeah yeah. They call it hot seltzer. Yeah.、Uh, 
um I, yeah I'm, I'm definitely more on the beer camp uh mm, but okay. they got a lot of flavors and those flavors taste pretty good a lot of tropical ones people really into the mango flavored white cloth especially because it's summer right now i guess yeah that's true and also it's like perceived as healthier compared to beer what, tropical fruit no compared oh, to beer oh, white claw i think white claw has less calories right yeah it's probably Cause... similar to like a light beer okay uh-huh. okay okay yeah all right what do you got so last weekend i tried out this new product i've never even seen it but it's called karma water have you heard of it <laughs> no is that from the so ganga it's... river <laughs> No, 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 no. It's 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 really interesting because it's this clear beverage in a bottle, and then instead of having a regular cap like most um, beverages have, it has a cap that has some powder inside, and then you know you can press that cap, which pushes a little nozzle open, and then everything that's in the top, like all these colored powder, gets mixed with the water in the bottom um, chamber, uh-huh. and then you shake it up. And then it turns from a clear beverage to a colored beverage. So there's a novelty aspect, but um, also there's probiotics in that powder. And you know how probiotics, when exposed to water, I guess it might degrade faster. So the idea is it has more, uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's hmm. what's the word for it? I can't English today. It's more viable. <laughs> It's more viable, yeah, because you don't you don't mix the probiotics with water until uh, the point of consumption. Huh. Interesting. So I tried the elderberry star. Fr- I, I I don't even remember what 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 flavor I tried. The blue color one. Okay. <laughs> that was pretty good. It tasted kind of artificially flavored and like kind of like a very like a kid's colored drink type of flavor. But I like the color and. I felt healthy drinking it because I was like, oh, probiotics. Oh, interesting. So I think that's the, yeah, that's what they were going for. Nice. Yeah. Um, that's very interesting. Well, did you get it in a local source or some type of grocery store? Uh, I think I got it at Aldi, but I can't remember. I got it as, at a grocery store. Cool. Okay. Yeah. I might look out for this. I think there's a associated plastic cost that is higher, a higher packaging cost. Um, mm-hmm. But it is very nice that the colored powder and water mixes really quickly. So you just shake it a couple of times. It's completely dissolved. There's no grittiness. Um, there's no separation at all. I put it in the fridge for like a couple of hours and then drank the other half and it was so good. It didn't like separate. Uh-huh. There was no suspension or like, it, it, sorry, it was, it was not separated. No Everything precipitation. Was very uh-huh. No precipitation. So, nice. Yeah. Okay. Pretty, pretty interesting product. Cool. All right, so I guess this is it for today's episode. Hope you enjoy the different companies that we brought up this time. And you can yep. follow us um, on various podcast platforms. Uh, actually, uh, give us a good review, a five star. And you can rate us on Apple Music. I don't think you can rate on Spotify, but I'm pretty sure you can rate on Apple. Music. Yeah, and, and you know, I think on Apple Music, sorry, Apple Podcast, you can oh, enable yeah, the notification. Or something. So next time you won't miss the episode. It will ping you. Yes. Uh-huh. Do that. <laughs> okay. So. All right. Till next time.